Welcome to the House of She podcast. We are Kat and Kate, and we are here to discuss all things womanhood, business, birth, spirituality, mindfulness, health and wellness, and personal journeys, and so much more. Our purpose behind starting this podcast is to connect with women, building a community to support and empower each other. We know you all have so much to offer, so we're hopeful to facilitate a platform where we can all grow and learn together, expanding the circle of women within this beautiful community. Welcome back. You've got Kat and Kate for another episode with House of She. Today's episode is massive fangirling moment for me is with Kaya from the Birth Circle Mackay. So when I first moved back to Mackay at the beginning of this year, 2021, and decided I wanted to really become involved in the birthing community with my work through massage and et cetera, I started reaching out to people in the community that were already kind of involved. And I came across Kaya. I messaged her and we went and had a coffee and I thought it was going to be kind of like a half an hour, 45 minute hour thing. Three hours passed like it had been five minutes and I was enthralled by her knowledge, her passion and just I was hanging off every word literally that she said. And so since that day, we've actually formed a really nice friendship as well and our kids play together and she's just an absolutely incredible woman. And what she offers our community as a doula is absolutely freaking amazing. So stoked to have her on the show. Yeah, Kyra's a doula which is basically a woman who supports other women through pregnancy, birth, and postnatally, so really anything related to birth. I had never met Kaya, so I was like fresh ears, and as same as Kat was just really caught up on everything she had to say. So she is just so passionate and so kind. That really just comes across Mm. in her speaking. And she is so well-versed on birth stats and birth knowledge, Mm. and her experience has really shaped her practice. And I really love, love, loved everything that she said about self-awareness and holding space for women and for what the woman really wants. So irrespective of what she would do in that mm. situation, it's just about supporting the woman, woman with what she wants. And the choices she wants to make. Yeah. Yeah. So really beautiful conversation with Kaya. And I just can't wait for everyone to listen to it. Time just went so fast, guys. So when you listen to this, we're kind of like chatting and chatting and chatting. And then I looked at the clock and was like, oh, my God, it's it's been an hour. We need to stop talking. We'll have to get you back. So at the end, we kind of abruptly end. But that's just because we were so enthralled by her. We didn't even know that time had literally <laughs> just dissolved. So we um, plan to get her back in the future anyway. But yeah, I really, really hope that you like today's episode. Enjoy. Kaya, thank you so much for coming onto the House of Sheep podcast. I would love for you to just introduce yourself to us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, girls. Um, my name's Kaya. Um, I'm a wife to Ben. I'm the mother of three littles that despite growing them and birthing them look exactly like their father. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a pregnancy, birth and postpartum doula currently working in Mackay and Sunday area amazing but hang on what is a doula (laughs) yes rewind okay so I think um the generic response is um a non-medical support person uh, for someone during pregnancy birth and postpartum um but I think if you go into it it's such a complex it's a complex title I'm a counselor I'm a friend I'm a space holder Um, I offer advice and I just really am an unwavering support for people as they um, navigate the maternity system uh, within Australia and within Queensland. Okay. And so at what point do you start supporting a woman? It really varies. Um, It, yeah, it really depends. Some people only need uh, a session or two to kind of wrap their head around maybe their birth intentions and what they hope to achieve in a birth. Some people like to have support the whole way through from early pregnancy. Some people really only need support in a postpartum space where they feel that they lack maybe support because they don't have a lot of family or friends that have children. It really, doula work is so fluid and there's no, mm. there's no way to just kind of cap it into one basket or you know, maternity care in Australia is so tick the box um, mm. routine and doula work is completely the opposite. Yeah. What do you feel like would be like the 
like the questions that people would ask the most, like when they first approach you or is it just I, too varied or is there like a, a few I generic think, ones? I think a big one is uh, the most, mostly it's people who have obviously maybe started to ask a few questions about birth and about how mm-hmm. to have a positive birth experience. We're so surrounded by negative birth. We see it in media, our friends and family as much as we love them they just can't wait to tell you about you know a horrible birth they heard about Mm. or they had themselves Mm -hmm. or their auntie had or it's just we just share these horror stories and so we we grow up as women hearing that birth is terrifying Mm. that it's going to be the most painful thing we ever do that you just have to kind of get through it and I think if you start to question that that kind of brings people to a doula because it's the only place where you can kind of get some information that's not coming from a really strong place of fear yeah and I guess like as a doula it's it's also um not coming from necessarily um a personal personalized driven place um as in you go to a friend and you're like oh I I think Mm -hmm. I want to have a blah 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 type of birth and immediately their fear or their experience of that is the first thing they start talking about whereas a doula it's like okay well tell me why you're interested in that am am I right in how I understand yeah yeah definitely it's for them yeah you need to really work through your own bias and your own Mm. experience your own trauma and your own judgment to be a doula, you really have to, and I have to, you have to work on it daily. You know, mm-hmm. every kind of emotion or reaction you have to what someone asks you, you really have to ask why, why am I reacting that way? Why mm-hmm. does that make me feel that way? Because it's not fair for me to project my own emotions and mm-hmm. my own experience onto someone else's experience. And that's, that's why, yeah, you really just have to come from an unbiased place um, mm-hmm. so that they are getting support without any judgment or out without any I don't work for anyone I work for the woman yeah mm-hmm. I love that yeah and when you say you have to work on that daily is that you you just sort of self-analyzing like where you're coming from or is there specific things you do to sort of keep yourself in check if- I think I've gotten really good at it now as part of my doula training it was a really big aspect was making sure that we didn't bring our own trauma and we weren't trying to heal our own births Mm. through other Mm. people you know and you it's not about saving people it's not about being their savior and that's something that I've gotten really good at now in really just holding space and learning about what's best for those individuals because it will be so different for every person Mm. we could all have the exact same experience and we experience it differently so I've gotten pretty good at it now but if something ever does kind of throw me or I get you know I just it just feels different I just have to look at that and say well why why is that affecting me in this way is -hmm. there something in there that's triggering me and make sure that it's really just stays unbiased and that I'm not Mm. projecting any of my own kind of we all have experiences and trauma from everything, you know, and it's about keeping it, keeping that away from them because my energy is going to shape their birth as well. So it has to come from a really organic place. Otherwise I'm influencing them Mm. negatively, just like care providers can influence them negatively or where they Mm -hmm. give birth can or their friends and family. So, and that's Mm -hmm. not like for me right now, it's just like opening up my mind because I'm thinking about it you know, you're a doula and you work with pregnant women in in the maternity system supporting birth or pregnancy. But that type of what you described to me is actually just broader in self-development. It's so applicable to all of your life. You know, if you're triggered by Mm -hmm. someone saying something to you that's not birth related, just a friend making a comment that really hurts you, you can reflect on that. And it's, so it's interesting how you describe that, because for me, that's what I'm trying to apply in my personal life at the moment, Mm -hmm. my own personal development. So it's like, you're doing that even more intensely in such a unique niche. It does. It does. It's definitely like trickled into my, into my personal life and into the way I see the world as well. Mm. I've definitely spent a lot more time analyzing my own ego and analyzing you know how I react to people's reactions to me and just really you know we get told people might say you know it's not personal and it it really isn't because even when someone is really upset with you or hurt by what you've done so often that can be yeah brought back to their own projection their own 
experience. Expectation. Exactly. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's, it's about never kind of, you know, it's okay if someone's hurt by you, you don't have to fix it. You know, it's, it's obviously you don't want to hurt people, but it's about being able to kind of hold that space and say, being, be uncomfortable and say, okay, so for whatever reason I've upset that person, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a reflective that I'm a bad person. Yeah. Or even behaviorally that you've done something. It's a no, it's how they viewed it or reacted. It's right. yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just about growing as a person to mm-hmm. try to av- avoid hurting people you know through your actions and then learning that you can't control the outcome yeah yeah it's really it's it's really just self-awareness at its very best sort of analyzing mm. where everything's coming from and sort of yeah breaking it down and making sure that and in that space for for a pregnant woman you're in such a vulnerable open emotional position especially as a first-time mom or a mother that's trying to have more of a positive experience after a traumatic experience it's such a vulnerable position to be coming mm-hmm. from so that's when you would need those skills the most right oh definitely especially like I say it's that um cultural we've we've just we're raised in society to be self-raid you know yeah. people that have never given birth that literally have no idea how birth works they will tell you it hurts yeah and that's because it's just so ingrained Conditions, on us. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so you know you're already in this really scary space because you're expecting that it's going to be the most Mm -hmm. painful experience of your life and then on top of that other people are experiencing it because it's a vicious cycle of they expect to experience that and Mm. then they do and then they pass that on it just becomes it's just become a cycle of fear you know and I have a friend who's actually had two really amazing birth experiences and she's reluctant to share that because she feels like people only share the bad and that they'll look at her like oh that you're not telling the truth that that was really a good experience and I'm like oh my god that's and then it just reinforces that it's only bad birth only bad experiences definitely the ones that the women that do put the effort in or do have a great experience feel like they can't even share it definitely it's funny too because uh when I was in my doula training I had to really understand that I when I was after I had Luna my firstborn I remember a friend it was a I had a very traumatic experience and my a friend of mine came to me and she's like I'm gonna have a natural birth I'm not gonna have any pain medication you know I'm gonna have a private midwife I'm gonna have a water birth and I left that conversation and I remember just being I was just like yeah good luck honey Mm. like nobody Mm. can do that who you know Mm. I couldn't do it you couldn't do it and it's funny afterwards to now reflect and I've had a water birth I've had all of those yeah you've done you literally went and did that (laughs) but at the time because my experience was so shaped by fear and by trauma Mm. there's and that's the thing I remember leaving it just thinking honestly like how can you possibly think that's what you're going to achieve and she did achieve that because she wasn't coming from a place of fear yeah yeah. where when do you think that um your perspective about that started to change or what were the things that sort of showed you that that was possible was Uh, it personal or was it witness it was it was personal and I think with Mm -hmm. doula work a lot of birth workers unfortunately go into this area because it starts with a traumatic experience Mm. so I had a pretty traumatic birth I mean it it wasn't traumatic it was stock standard but Mm. to me it was traumatic and it was traumatic but it's what we see every single day so it's people don't always view it as a traumatic experience because I was well and my baby was well Mm -hmm. but it was a horrible experience and when we decided to go for number two I realized how much how terrified I was to ever experience that again Mm -hmm. and that was kind of my first realization of well you know people talk about being empowered and having these amazing birth experiences and I'm here begging to never do it again Mm -hmm. how can how can people be having such a different experience like that doesn't what am I missing so I kind of Mm -hmm. started to it was like a Pandora's box honestly once you kind of open it it Mm. just it, it just starts to blow your mind it just gets deeper and deeper uh, into understanding that you know the system it is shaped for mass birth and it's not always going to do it's very rarely going to do what's right for an individual yeah. and that we need to really advocate for ourselves. Um, you know the system was isn't the system is not preparing people to give birth the system is preparing people to go through the system yeah. and so if we're we're all going into this completely at best unprepared and at worst traumatized and mm. you know it's it was kind of it was just a, an eye-opening few years really of study and then experience I experienced my second birth 
which while much better than the first was still very heavily shaped by my desire to appease my care providers Mm. and not wanting to kind of stand up too loudly and say hey that's not actually what I want Mm. because I still had that belief of you know, they, they wouldn't suggest it if it wasn't right for yeah. me. You think, they oh, know well, they know, they know better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. But you assume that, yeah. yeah. And you would, you would hope that when 300,000 babies are being born every year, they need a system that gets babies and mums out alive as quickly as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't even have a section in their wellness about emotional or mental mm. care, health. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. it, it clearly says in the Queensland Health Guide that, there is all physical their outcomes are all physical related mm. so you can mm-hmm. come out of a birth very traumatized and feeling you know like that was the worst experience of your life but if you're physically if you're alive and your baby is alive that is a success. yes yeah they're and you're good mm-hmm. See you later. yeah yeah and that's a successful outcome for them and that's mm-hmm. that's that was a really big kind of learning curve for me to realize that we're sending women in thinking that these people have their absolute best interest at heart when those care providers, and it's not an individual care provider's fault. It's just how they're trained and mm. how the system works. And because it is boxes. such a big system to, to crush. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. That's just Australia. We're not a very big country, Yeah, you know, 300,000 births a year Yeah, mm-hmm. going through the public system. So it's just, they have to have, you know, they have to have systems and protocols mm-hmm. and processes that making things um, as convenient as possible for exactly. the hospital, really. And they, and they might work well for, you know, 60% of births. So that's what they do because that's the majority. Yeah. But what about the other 40%, you know, yeah. and what about people that don't fit into those squares? It just, or what about what lost. people actually want is uh, exactly, is you know, and yeah. what about like you, we need, we need to give women and pregnant people more respect that they know their bodies and that they I've never met a mother who didn't have their baby's best interest at heart so this idea that we're not going to do what's right for our babies just because Mm -hmm. we want a water birth or we want a midwife we don't want to be induced or yeah like you know we we are very capable humans we're able Mm -hmm. how long we've been evolving and growing and breeding (laughs) and birthing like we're definitely capable it's just um yeah, teaching, and that's what a doula really does at the heart of it is helping people find that that strength in themselves and mm. reminding them that they are they are in control of their own body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as much as we use coercive language and uh, it's shaped that it's not a choice, everything is a choice. Yeah, so we can you are- just give us an example of what, so for me, that coercive language, until I actually heard the examples, I didn't realise that that's what I experienced in my births. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it might just be uh, if you're in labour and you've been in labour for a little while, a midwife who you really like might say, I'm just going to uh, give you a vaginal check or I'm going to see how far along you are or I'm just going to put this monitor on your stomach or I'm just going to break your waters yeah or and we need to give you an episiotomy yeah we now. that's right we need to we need to give you an episiotomy we really need to get you out of the bath we really need to get you back on your back you know these things it just seems like everyday language but every single thing that is done to you in a hospital pregnant or not you need to give informed consent mm-hmm. and what's happening in the birth space and in the maternity system is informed consent in a lot of ways doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So we have assumed intervention basically. So yeah. they assume that you're going to consent. Yeah. So they just give it to you in a matter of fact term. They yeah. don't say, hey, is it okay if I do this? Yeah. I mean, it's they're already just, halfway through. They're already kind of reaching in oh, to do something exactly, as they're exactly. saying, I'm just going yeah. to, you need this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and things yeah. like um, you, I've, I've heard, of obstetricians say I'm just going to give you a vaginal exam and then remove their hand after the exam and say I also just stretch the cervix a bit yeah so Mm. it's like that's a whole nother intervention that you've just done without consent without even telling Mm -hmm. them that you're doing that to their body and that's in any other instance would be assault yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. actually back Mm -hmm. when you were mentioning about um trauma I've heard people describe it as uh, I was violated I felt violated mm, after yeah. my birth and th- that's the type of language around 
when things happen to you that you haven't consented to or they haven't brought yeah. you along on the journey of what's yeah. going to happen next and why. Um, I think that's really important. It's not that you're, when, if something does, you know, you can have an episiotomy, that's fine, whatever, yeah. but it, they need to, they need to actually ask you and explain why, and you have the right mm. to ask why or say, no, can you yeah. tell me more before you just go ahead and do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. It's the, it's giving the options because nearly always they are, they're following a guide and this yeah. is their next, this is their next step, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's their only step and it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's the best step for oh, you Or a necessary step at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's right. So yeah. it's, it's, it's about questioning those steps sometimes yeah. because sometimes when you question it, the care providers themselves are shocked Yeah, because mm-hmm. they don't get called up on it ever. Yeah. You know, we yeah. see yeah. it I mean, with them. And I mean, it's just like, yeah, yeah. It's just like simple communication is what's required. But I guess I'm just reflecting of like, when you're in that state, how challenging it can be to communicate that you want to know more and that you want to ask questions. So I guess I see a doula as someone that knows the right questions to ask at the right time. Or can help you. So if you did a birth planning session, you know. That's right. Or like, I guess, so for example, in my, with my first birth, I, they wanted to induce me and I had let my husband know a hundred times in the lead up. I don't want to be induced. I don't want to be induced at the appointment. Okay. We're going to have to induce you later today. I went silent. I couldn't speak. I was like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm like in my head. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm getting induced today. I immediately just thought, Oh, I have to do this. I'm a shit mom if I don't. And then my husband's just like, no, she's not being induced today. And they, that was it. They let, yeah, it wasn't even a go. big deal. So I, I, was, yeah. I went home and I had my baby, went into spontaneous labor two days later on my own. But yeah. I didn't, you know, if he wasn't with me, if mm-hmm. he didn't know that that was something I definitely wanted, that would have, I would have been induced on that day. I would not have been able. So it's not even when you're in labor, it's this, mm. yeah, you, it's you, as a woman, you're like, oh my God, you, am I a shit mom? Am I doing the right thing? I don't know enough. You have so much vulnerability yeah. mm-hmm. prep, that pregnancy prep is so important getting mm. you to a point where you can advocate for yourself yeah. uh, and that you're not and you know what it is too and it's I know some people don't necessarily agree but that yes sir no sir kind of behavior it, it's ingrained in us as oh, women mm, totally you know from a really young age to not step out of line mm. I'm you gonna know, be a good I've, girl I'm a good girl exactly mm-hmm. the yep. good girl that, I've literally okay. heard care providers say good girl yeah you know oh, lay on your back do this good girl yeah like oh. that that's a woman giving birth yeah. like it's not and that's but it is we're trained it's it took and I'm still learning every day to be able to advocate for myself and for others. I'm really good at other people, but then when it comes to myself, mm-hmm. it's still so ingrained in me yeah. to not, you know, to not rattle the cage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those. And it's just so ingrained in society that women fall into line and, mm-hmm. you know, we fall, and even within care providers and the maternity system, you know, obstetricians, are ahead of midwives and midwives are predominantly yeah. women and obstetricians are often men and yeah. it, it's still falling into that kind yeah. of categorization mm. of men know best yeah. yeah do you think that's something that like is being like there's a bit of pushback there or that that's something that's changing or do you see any like it's it, it ebbs and flows so I think mm-hmm. it does change um, midwifery led care is best practice and it's showing mm-hmm. statistically that that is what leads to better outcomes mm-hmm. so there's push so for a little while there was a big push towards midwifery led care so now we're seeing a push back towards towards obstetrics oh, um, in yeah, the sense yeah. that they systems can kind of put things in place so at the moment we're having something um, and it's a whole thing I won't get into but it's called the perennial bundle and it's something that's happening in hospitals across Australia and a big feedback with this one with midwives is it's this, it's a bundle of uh, interventions that's being done to women at the crowning stage of birth. But these interventions are nearly always done by obstetricians. Yeah. So it's taking that the birth power away. Yeah. It's taken. And so they have to step aside for obstetricians mm. again. And it's been very subtle, but it's a really, mm. it's a way that they've brought that back to that medicalization mm. and obstetricians, are wonderful but they are yeah. trained you know they're yeah. trained and we surgeons. should say that too like what we're talking yeah. about here is there's a definitely a place for an obstetrician mm-hmm. there is oh. births that require that and there is a, yeah. and when we're saying that people are having traumatic births and, and blah 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 there are some amazing midwives out there yeah. I I and was blessed with amazing midwives I'm not this isn't mm-hmm. a blanket we're not no, calling not out individuals we're saying as a whole we're talking about the system 
That's right. Mm-hmm. We do. And, yeah. and there's a lot of people working within the system that don't like the way the system Absolutely. is Absolutely. And, and, they, they and there's the midwives kind of that work. kind of navigate their way around it. Too. Yeah. Mine definitely did. Mine, you know, mm-hmm. got me through little bits that shouldn't have happened or whatever because they know how to work the system in my favour. Yeah. But they don't get in trouble for not following the tick boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's how they're trained as well in the sense that, you know, an obstetrician is a trained surgeon. They mm. they literally are surgical. They're there to do the interventions. That's you know, their that's, purpose. That's right. So that's what they've been trained to do and that's what they've been taught to do. And then you give them a woman who wants a physiological birth and they don't have a really strong idea of how to handle that. And that can be scary. We, nobody likes to be out of control when they're yeah. supposed to be the specialist, you know, yes. so they can kind yeah, of. they need all, to show their validation of their role. Yeah, and, and they want to feel uh, confident in their ability and the best mm-hmm. way for them to feel confident in their ability to is to control it. You yeah. know, that's, mm-hmm. and um, it's so ingrained in them as well, just as it is in us. Yeah, and then you don't even realize, they wouldn't even realize that it's, that's what they've done. That's no, it's an, just, autom- an automatic mm-hmm. response. It's just an automatic response, yeah. Um, a question that I came up for me while we were talking earlier that I've just been wanting to get out of my mouth before I forget it is so we spoke a lot about you advocate for the woman, um, mm-hmm. but as I understand it, you're not replacing their partner. So how do you, the partner and the mother, all kind of work? What, what, what does that look like when a doula is introduced um, in prep and then also in the birth space? So in pregnancy prep, a big thing would be to help them learn tools together to uh, for pain relief and for ways to kind of get them through because it's not you know we say pain relief but it's really about mental stamina and ways to help them cope mentally because yeah. labor and birth is it's such a mental game oh, like yeah. it's all mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. mental game you know so it's teaching them those kind of different tools and strategies to cope and to get through as best they can mm. um, it's helping them to touch base with each other so that the birth partner has a really strong understanding of where the pregnant person is coming from and what they hope to achieve in their birth. So mm. just like you did with your husband, mm. when the time comes, they are able to advocate for their partner yeah. mm-hmm. because when you're in labor land, you can't talk. You know, mm. I remember in the middle of Rainey's labor, I had a midwife who was talking to Ben and they wouldn't stop talking. And I was like, probably close to transition. I was having really intense contractions. And I remember thinking to myself, like, oh will you just shut up like <laughs> why are you just, taking all of his attention oh, away go like, away like stop yeah. talking and there is not I didn't make a sound yeah like, not mm-hmm. a sound but in my head I was having this like really big moment it was like taking up all of my mental energy mm. that they were annoying me so much and I was not able to physically say yeah, you know yeah. and so it's about having a really strong understanding for the birth partner of what their role is yeah and for so long they're pushed you know so often they're pushed aside mm. in the birth space as kind of useless or you're just there to catch the baby or cut the cord but they have such a vital role they can be such a huge support system mm. and they know better they know their partner better than anyone in the yeah. room and an adula uh, can kind of oh what were you gonna say I had my partner on the rebozo oh yeah flat out I'm talking like hours <laughs> and hours of just like pressure on my pelvis so he yeah. was put to work for my labor <laughs> and so he should because you were put to work too yes. <laughs> so absolutely yeah. yeah no it's it's a doula and a birth partner can work together so well you know yeah. so you're empowering kind of, both of them you're not replacing definitely anybody. it can be scary for a birth partner yeah. you know it's mm. it's such an emotional day for them too we we mm you know, they're meeting their baby as well. And they're also seeing the love of their life in some really uncomfortable, some huge like moments of struggle, of yeah. pain. They've mm-hmm. never seen Living anything deep. so intense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess can to be see really that from, a, yeah, from their perspective, mm. I've never really thought about like what they actually physically see and that physically can, yeah. see, traumatizing yeah. for them as well yeah. and they don't have the huge amounts of oxytocin mm. and hormones mm-hmm. you know pumping through their body so that afterwards yeah. it's this it's this beautiful haze yeah. for them it's just like hard reality yeah. You know? yeah so it's it can be really confronting especially for the first you know first time so yeah everybody copes differently with that some people yeah. really step up whereas others do need a little bit more support yeah to remember what their partner wanted, wanted or to just yeah take five minutes of a break or there are some people that just don't want their partner you know I've seen people just like don't look at me 
yes. come near me. Like yeah. it's not, that's not who they want. Some people want to be surrounded by women or they yeah. want mm-hmm. their moms or they want, you know, there's, yeah. and that's where a doula can be really powerful is it's just, you can never kind of, as long as you feel secure and safe in those support people, you can't really have too much support. Yeah, you know, those people are totally. just going to offer more and hold space mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. as you feel what you need to feel. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I just wanted to circle back, and I guess I. So you've got three little ones: Luna, yes. Rain, and Wiley. Rainy and, and Wiley, yeah. Rainy and Wiley, yeah. And where along that journey, I guess, did you decide you wanted to be a doula, and then where did you like initiate sort of? is it what sort of study you had to do and how yeah, that sort of fit in? So I, um, it was, I was pregnant with Rainy when it really started to kind of interest me, I suppose, but mm. I still had a and lot How old is Rainy learn. now? Rainy is three. She will, she'll be three in a month. Yeah. So she's almost three. And, um, I learned a lot in her pregnancy about just the physiology, physiology of birth and how, mm-hmm. you know, what we're supposed to do to make what, what, ways we can make birth more empowering and make it more positive and it was also around then I realized that the system kind of does the opposite to that in the way it's it's created and the things that it gets us to do and then after her birth I went in with all the right tools and I wasn't going to be induced and I knew all the info and I was very very knowledgeable and ready to advocate for myself and I was still coerced into an induction for a big baby and they told me she was going to be over 10 pound and I just the fear got to me, so I was induced. And my darling little Rainy was born at six pound. No. Clearly, happily, a tiny little oh. thing. Who you know how many of- clients that I have? So uh, my massage clients that come in and they'll be like, oh, I had an appointment and they've told me my baby's going to be really big. And they're shattered. They are shattered mm-hmm. by being told that. Yeah. And I'm like, I've, I've used your example, Kaya, and even mm-hmm. my own. They'll be like, oh, they told me my baby's like eight pound, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I had an eight pound baby. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. And honestly, as someone who's had, now had a seven and a half pound baby and a six pound baby, the bigger baby can latch better. They have yeah. some fat on their bones. You know, that it's, it's not a bad thing, but at the time they use that as a man. Mm-hmm. And I think looking back, I went into that, I went into that pregnancy so sure I wouldn't be induced and my mistake, which isn't my mistake, but the issue was that I went in very like, I will not be induced. Yeah. And it almost became like a, goal for them to induce you get yeah get that induction <laughs> oh. and I did also and I also had gestational diabetes which is a whole other thing they but prefer to in, they want to induce GD well, right they shouldn't they should so if if you're me, if you're um on medication yeah they say that it's best to be induced yeah, but, but if you're just more, diet controlled yeah if you're diet controlled you are at no higher risk to any other pregnancy because your sugars mm-hmm. are controlled so your sugars mm-hmm. I know higher than a, but are you like, saying that I, they don't want to or that so hang wait, wait. are you so saying they, it's become routine for every person with a gd diagnosis to be offered an yeah. induction mm-hmm. okay that mm-hmm. was that was what i have yeah. that was my yeah. i, I never yeah. had to do but caitlin you did and so i we, we I were did have at the GD. same time birthing around <laughs> the same time and so we we were on this same timeline of this completely mm-hmm. different journey and yeah. Caitlin had GD and I didn't. And the the things that she had to study and research mm-hmm. to be prepared because mm. of things like wanting to induce. And I did. I just really like got all of my facts right. And I felt really strong and really empowered, but it just takes one person yeah. to say the wrong thing to you. And it messes with your head. It completely yeah. fucks with everything. Cause I'm like, I know I'm doing the right thing. And every obstetrician would be like, yep, no worries. You're not on any medication. You're good to You're go. Like, have no yep. reason. Yep, absolutely. And then it just takes one to be like, you've got gestational diabetes. We'll want to induce you at 39 yeah. weeks. And I'm like, and you'll be like no, 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 no. Yeah. And even having that argument, was draining and then it yeah. makes you have that second guess like they're insinuating the I'm right not, thing they're insinuating I'm not doing the right thing for my baby mm-hmm. and like it's so triggering and it's so frustrating and yes I know we now want to have a whole Caitlin, other conversation though, if you're a mother that so you know you were saying you were ready Absolutely. to show on your and imagine you you didn't you weren't um you were more vulnerable than that and you, yeah you know and and so I do want to elaborate just a little bit on your experience there, Caitlin, because you just used the word, that argument drained me. You it literally did. argued, had to argue with someone about this, right? Yeah. And it was, I was complete within my rights. And 
their argument was a mute point really so it was just it was mental energy that I didn't need to be wasting when it could have been used positively elsewhere basically was how I felt and And you went on to go into spontaneous labor on your own anyway but I was also very very lucky that I went into spontaneous labor four days before my due date yeah. because I think if I'd gone beyond my due date it would have mm-hmm. become a whole nother beast yeah and I would have been having the same argument more often and my baby came out and he was eight pound three ounces and like no issues about yeah. big baby even though big baby was a like what's it called like a hot word once yeah. you've got gestational diabetes it's all about it's the big, big baby. baby and the it's funny just, thing is the link with big yeah. babies of gestational diabetes is only when your sugars are uncontrolled yeah so if your sugars are not uncontrolled your baby if your baby is big and your sugars are controlled you just have a big baby like yeah. some babies are big some people yeah. are big you know some babies are long some babies are short we like we literally are all so different yeah yet we expect mm-hmm. all babies to fit into this tiny little yeah. box mm-hmm. and it just doesn't and yeah. gestational diabetes is like the that was induction of probably my two least favorite mm-hmm. aspects of the maternity care yeah. system mm-hmm. because it's those two things alone add so much fear and pressure mm-hmm. and negative outcomes to women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And often that's you have to do so much self-education. Yeah. Like it just yeah. it, it baffles me that we have to go and do so much of our own work in order to have the best the best outcome for ourselves. Like Anyway, and the people, the people that don't do that research either, like there's, the, you know, those people that think they, they're going to get the best yeah. care through the hospital and just say, yep, sure, do whatever. They're the ones that are coming out afterwards. Going, come out going, what, what the hell just happened? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 100%. GD, gestational diabetes, we're, we're, I keep saying GD, just making sure yeah. listeners understand GD is gestational yeah. diabetes. Both yep. Kaya and Caitlin had GD and we're going to do a whole episode on gestational diabetes mm-hmm. because it's such it's a topic that um, Kate is really, really passionate about. And so <laughs> when I found out Kaya had uh, Kaya's journey, I was like, oh, my God, we're going to pair you up and yeah. Yeah. stuck into that. But and okay, it, so now yeah. we just went off on a huge tangent. Let's rewind. You were telling us how you were didn't want to be induced with Rainy. You had GD. Yes. They were going to induce you. Yeah, for my yeah so for my giant baby so um that was was, yeah so it was but it was literally so uh she was born and the um I'd done all this work on like calm birth and breathing so during my labor during that induction the midwife didn't believe me that I was having contractions she kept saying you're too quiet you're too calm you're not having contractions and she ended up kind of um, putting the syntocin drip up so high that my uterus went into like overdrive and Rainy was born within three minutes I think my pushing stage was and she I was very physically injured from the speed of her birth and just Mm. from the syntocin and what it kind of did to my body and I was remember laying in that hospital bed with my tiny baby that was supposed to be 10 pound I hadn't even packed any four zero clothes and you know really badly injured from this birth that was natural and I didn't have any pain relief and I did all the breathing and I'd done everything that I was supposed to do and the system had still failed me. And it was at that moment that I was like, I can't let other people go through this. Like people have to know it doesn't, this isn't how it has to be. Mm-hmm. And so that was the moment that I was like, I have to, it wasn't really necessarily be a doula, but I was just like, I have to I show have to people. Help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this isn't, this isn't, communication. Yeah. Can't, it can't be like this because I did everything right. And the system still convinced me to be afraid. And to have that induction and I came out of it physically unwell and probably mentally unwell too in the sense that like Rainy had colic and we had all these issues that I'm sure kind of probably came back to being born earlier than she needed to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that was the moment I was like, okay, something has to change. And it was, it was probably only six months after her birth that I um, started researching courses and doula work is interesting because there's no regulated body so Mm -hmm. anybody can offer training uh, and create a training course and you know you can pay anybody and you can get certified so there's you know some people don't like that it's not certified that it's not um, a registered kind of industry I don't mind it's not a registered industry mainly because I feel like when you start to have registered industries control comes about mm, can be and, you know, completely influenced by yeah so you know just like 
midwives and just like obstetricians and just like any kind of profession if you're you've got a governing body mm-hmm. they're going to control what to you certain do. things yeah exactly and I don't think I think a doula is the complete opposite of that a doula should not be adhering to anything but the pregnant person's wishes that's yeah. you know mm-hmm. I'm just that's who I'm hired by that's my job I don't want to have someone over my head saying oh yeah you can support this person but uh, 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 not at home if she births without a care provider or not if she doesn't do this induction or not if mm-hmm. she doesn't tick these boxes and that to me makes would make it no different to the maternity system so Mm -hmm. I had I did a bit of research and I found a training course that really aligned with me because it was very much about that inner work and about Mm -hmm. healing your own experiences and you know holding space for people um it wasn't gimmicky you know it wasn't like you have to have all of these techniques and you have to have all this information. It was very much about, you know, if you're a doula, you're a doula. Do the inner, yeah, yeah the do the inner you, work and then yeah. the results will speak for themselves. Exactly. Sort of thing. So, yeah. And that took me about two years to complete. And yeah, I, I learned, it's just been a huge journey. It was soon after I finished that course that, Ben and I decided we moved to Mackay. So we had been living in this tiny little mining town of Thierry and that's kind of where I completed my course. And then uh, we moved to Mackay and we decided we were going to have a third baby. And so I put everything kind of on hold while I, while we kind of consciously conceived Wiley and I fell pregnant and I found out very, very early on in my pregnancy that Wiley, that I wouldn't be able to birth at the birth center in Mackay, uh, that I would be risked out because of my previous inductions and my previous diabetes. So we made the decision. We had a little bit of money put away for Bali, which thanks to COVID was not happening. So we decided to organize a destination home birth. And so we traveled away from Mackay. And I because you can't Bali. home birth in Mackay. Yeah. So there's no, I mean, I could without a care provider, but yeah, there's no private midwives in Mackay currently offering um, home birth and I, I mean I would have been happy to birth through the birth center I just wanted a water birth yeah. you know it wasn't it wasn't like I was asking for something crazy I just wanted to birth my baby in the water so and literally the only option for me to do that with a care provider was to go away from Mackay so that's what I did and I birthed while in an Airbnb you know like so seven cool. o'clock in the morning and we stayed down there for a few weeks and then we came back to Mackay and when I got back, it was just, I was on a high from the experience and just, it was just the greatest experience of my life. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And that's when I was like, I need to get this business up and running. Mm-hmm. I need to show people that it can be so empowering. Yeah. So you got a private midwife mm-hmm. and you, had you met her or how, how did you sort of set that so up? I, I kind of interviewed a few and I mm-hmm. talked to them about the fact that I wasn't local and they were fine with that. Um, originally, when I first contacted her, I was actually going to birth at um, Sunshine Coast University Hospital mm-hmm. and just they have like birth rights there. So they're allowed to like be your midwife, but at that hospital. And they have beautiful, big, probably similar to like Gold Coast University Hospital, like these big lush bath pools, uh, birth pools, sorry. And so I was like, I just want a water birth. That's where I want to go. And my, this midwife I'd been talking to was kind of like, oh, have you thought about a home birth? And I was like, no, you know, they're messy. Um, I had diabetes. Like I won't qualify for a home birth. I'll be too high risk. And she was like, no, no, like you'll be fine. Like there's nothing high risk about you at all. It'll be fine. Wow. How enlightening for her just to say those words. It kind of just shaped everything. Your mind, my mind literally opened up just then. I was like, yes. And that's, yeah, and you'll that's, be fine. It just takes one was, woman that just truly believes oh, it'll be fine. And she and it, says it in the right tone of voice. And you're yeah. like, oh, okay. It just, and it, well, it just planted a seed. And I started to mm. think like, wow, maybe I could do this. And am I high risk? Why am I high risk? You know, and that's, that was a big part with my business is like, why, why are we excluding women from the birth center? Why mm. are we saying that they have to be induced? We, we really have to question even the label of high risk because it's just slapped on people, mm, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time when you look at it, the label doesn't even fit those people, but they've been given that label. And once you receive a high risk label in pregnancy, it is very, mm-hmm. very hard to be given any choice in your birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they and justify it. They make it justified. Well, they use fear. 
and yeah. you become so afraid and that you know do you care about your baby because if you care mm. about your baby you're going to do what we say because that's yeah. what's best for your baby and maybe it is but you're allowed to question it yeah yeah mm. definitely yeah yeah and they're not totally yeah trying to lead you astray and some so they are, but it is based on some numbers it's just yeah well it's just not all that number yeah and, and problem the problem with statistics is they they vary and in, in a hospital system that's so big mm. is you might have like one study that comes out on a hundred women and they apply yeah, exactly. it to one and trillion it, women. But that's, that's literally what happened with breech birth. Like 20 years ago, breech births were just vaginal birth. Yeah. And midwives and obstetricians knew how to deliver breech babies. And it was not even a thing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. not a thing oh, at all. Wow. Same as, you know, twin births. Like these were not high risk births. And then one study comes out with like, you know, X amount of women, that's not very many women that has like a tiny percentage, better outcomes, or there's a slightly higher risk, but say like one, 2% if you deliver a breech birth vaginally. So then, oh, well, let's give all, all breech births cesareans. And so yeah. then without actually questioning the additional risk of a cesarean, it's just become the norm. And that's just how, and then we, no one even knows where these changes kind of come from. It's this one study 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that. We just believe, oh, well, they wouldn't offer you a cesarean if that wasn't the best option. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you found the woman that resonated with you, a mm-hmm. midwife. Yeah. And then you you met, like, did a, what, a video chat or something? Yeah. So we talked on the phone. It was like an initial meeting. And then we did a video chat. And then I went down and I met her, I think, three times in person. Mm-hmm. But it was Mm -hmm. a pretty, like, I had a pretty laid back pregnancy. So Mm -hmm. I had no care provider in Mackay. I saw my GP if I needed something, but my GP was not quite like not a, you know, specialist with pregnancy or anything. And if I had any concerns, I just spoke to my midwife via the phone. I had my 18 weeks, uh, sorry, my 12 week scan and my 20 week scan. And that was it. And then at 38 weeks, I my husband and two daughters packed up our car and we drove down to the Sunshine Coast. Mm-hmm. We hired an Airbnb for a month, was the original, mm-hmm. yeah, for a month. We moved into the Airbnb and I went into labour at 39 weeks. And so was... then when you went into labour, you called your midwife and she came over. Yeah. And she so... was with you for the, the yeah, rest she was... of the remainder of the time. Well, she wasn't really there that long. I went into labour. <laughs> my waters broke at midnight. And then I labored till about 2.30 and my doula slash photographer came over and then my labor started to stall. And so after about an hour at 3.30, I kind of, I was really cranky. I was like, this labor stopped again. Like nothing's happening. And so it's I went and laid. Alarm. Yeah, I was so cranky. <laughs> the doula's here and I'm not even, nothing's yeah. happening. And I'm like bouncing on the ball and trying to get all these things happening. And in the end, I was like, oh, I've had enough. And I just... <laughs> I, my doula went and had a sleep in her car. I don't know what Ben was even doing. I think he was sleeping in one of the girls' beds. And I went and laid in my bed, our bed, with Luna and Rainey, who were asleep. And I just cuddled them. And then, you know, it was just got a bit of oxytocin and a bit of rest, mm-hmm. I think. And an hour later at about 4.30, I woke up. My contractions were really strong. So I just didn't wake anybody up. And I just went and bounced on the ball and did a few things. And then I think at about 6.30, I woke Ben up. So he came out and he started filling the birth pool. And then somewhere around then, they were quite intense contractions. I was pretty in the zone. I had headphones on and I wasn't really talking to anyone, but he obviously sensed it was time. So he went and called Alison, my midwife. Mm -hmm. And I think she got there at about quarter to seven and Wiley was born at 7.45. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So she wasn't there very long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And in that space of time, did you feel like, like any anxiety or any like uncertainty or you just felt you really trusted the process and you just felt like everything was just aligning yeah I knew everything was fine yeah Yeah. everything was fine I was very much in my zone Mm -hmm. Uh, I trusted I trusted my body and I trusted Mm -hmm. that what I was feeling was fine and that it wouldn't overpower me because it was me and you know all of those kind of mantras Mm -hmm. um then they really did work and there wasn't a single moment where I felt out of control there were definitely obviously some intense moments and I remember thinking like 
this feels like it did with Rainy just before she was born. So he's close. Like I could, yeah, like you know, really kind of, there. yeah, like, mm-hmm. and I, even uh, Alison said normally when there's children around, sometimes uh, mothers struggle to like turn off the mother to be, mm-hmm. to labor, but I, that wasn't really an issue with me. They did end up leaving to go have breakfast to go to Macca's and get some brekkie with my mum and they missed the birth in the like 15 minutes they were gone. Yeah, <laughs> but, of and, course. Luna, yeah, and Luna was really upset because she wanted to watch me birth the baby. She kept kept talking about it. But, yeah, it was there was no time. Macca's one stress. over. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was just, well, my mum my mum was just, she's like, I didn't realise you were so close because. Because you're so making, quiet like you yeah, were last it wasn't, time. Yeah, it was there's like no one ramping or, up the oxytocin this exactly, time. You know, mm. it was just natural. So. Um, as someone who had only ever been induced, that was my first experience going into labor naturally. And mm-hmm. even at, you know, nine, you 10 centimeters. So excited when you realize you're in labor. Oh, it was just, it's just so much nicer. And I, you know, there is this place for induction when it's medically required. Yeah. You know, and and I know people that have had, um, I should say that too, that I do know people that have had inductions that were required that didn't have traumatic bad birth. Yeah. Um, we're not we're also not saying that but we're just saying in your case and in a lot of yeah. cases though mm-hmm. um it's not required and, yeah, and, and if not, the body can do it naturally then why wouldn't why not why not wait yeah. for that yeah and my biggest mm. thing is positive outcomes for women you know it's not about mm. it's it, it's not about it being natural or it being no and you've you know, been really clear with that to me you've always said like whatever the option is for the woman that she is about her having the choice to have the type yeah. of birth she wants and how I can get her to it. Or yeah. if there's other, the other thing I liked how you explained to me was like, Oh, if they want to have an epidural, that's fine. But let's explore why they feel that they, you know, the fear behind yeah. really wanting it because yeah. sometimes it's actually that ingrained fear. It's, you know, and it's always going to be an option. You can have it. It's, it's absolutely yeah. okay. But let's explore why you feel so tied to requiring it. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, before you've even, experienced labor to be wanting an epidural tells me that there's fear there yeah and mm-hmm. even if you have the epidural that's fine but you don't want to be afraid like yeah. the, the day you Coming meet your baby afraid. yeah yeah it should mm-hmm. be the best day of your life not the scariest yeah. and I always mm-hmm. say like I'm not anti-intervention I don't hate all intervention but I don't like unnecessary or unwanted intervention yes mm-hmm. you know and that's that's, that's, that's the it. key it's yes. it's about unnecessary who, and unwanted and I didn't want intervention with my third birth and I knew that I was capable of birthing without it. And in the end, yeah. I had a completely physiological birth. Like no one touched me. I caught my own baby. You know, I delivered my placenta yeah. with no assistance and that's just was yeah. fine. It was, I was eating lasagna on the couch an hour later. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. That's amazing. That's um, so, so good. So in the interest of time, we've probably only got like 10 minutes left. Because this podcast is designed to talk to the women of Mackay. You are a woman mm-hmm. of Mackay. Mm-hmm. Um, is there much interest? What's the interest like in Mackay for doula services? I think I, I, it, it's picking up for sure. I'm, I'm getting a lot of inquiries, and a lot of like smaller sessions. So I offer a variety of kind of things. I do, you know, like your big support package, which is like pregnancy, birth, postpartum. But I also offer like, birth intention session which is just a two-hour session where we go over your choices and what you really want and I, there's a lot of interest in those type of sessions where I think yeah. in Mackay at the moment there is definitely a gap in kind of childbirth education yeah uh, so I don't even know if the base are offering it since COVID it all kind of got shut down I think they mm. maybe just started it up again but the yeah. hospital birth education is pretty basic yeah so it's um I'm getting a lot of interest in that kind of um, aspect of doula, doula work. And I just, I, you know, just starting out, I'm hoping that as more people kind of hear about it and realise the benefit, we might see more yeah. and more women turn yeah. towards it. Something mm-hmm. else that you have, have shared with me that really resonated with me was about you really would be stoked just to help one woman and that's how we'll end up changing the system is by just helping one woman at a time. So yeah. one woman come and do a birth planning session and she'll go, oh, shit, I'm going to gift that to my, my girlfriend or yeah, or whatever, you know, like postpartum, it's a beautiful yeah. gift to get a doula visit, et cetera. So it's just awareness that that is an offering available. Yeah. One, I really truly believe we change birth. We change the, you know, the way birth is at the moment 
just with one woman at a time, one birth mm. at a time. You know, if that one person goes and tells other friends about their positive birth experience, it's going to mm-hmm. change. You know, we were talking about that fear that circle of fear where it's just it's become a cycle I want to do that with positive experiences and I want people to start talking about positive experiences and it's happened you you go to Byron Bay and you know half the population are home birthing and there's no one afraid of birth and that's a whole community that's that's broken that cycle yeah and that's I believe one you know one birth at a time we can break that cycle yeah yeah changing that culture you know changing the awareness education yeah yeah definitely um, and in Mackay, as of today, what's the mm-hmm. date today? Somebody tell me the date. <laughs> the 9th? Is it the 9th? The 9th? So the 9th of August, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just give me like a quick summary of what the what options there are for birthing in Mackay? Yeah, so it's it's not, it's pretty limited, like all regional and rural areas. We're not spoiled for choice, like more metro areas. Mm. We do have the birth centre, which is a beautiful option, but unfortunately the birth attached center- to the base. It is, yeah. So it's attached. It's still the base hospital. It's a publicly run birth centre. Yeah. It only accepts low-risk mm-hmm. pregnancies and it does have limited spaces. So people do need to get in very early and you have to continue to be low-risk for your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have midwifery group practice, which is through the base. So that is similar to the birth centre in that you know a midwife or a group of midwives, a small group, maybe three midwives, that you will birth with one of those midwives on the day, but you birth at birth suite at the base hospital, at the yeah. base hospital. Mm-hmm. Then you have midwifery clinic, which is just you go to the clinic on a maybe a Wednesday and you just see whichever midwife or obstetrician is okay. currently on shift. And same with and when, when you birth, you just get. Yep, you just go on and that's whoever's on shift is who you birth with. Yeah. And then obviously um, you have the private obstetrician care, which yeah. is birthing through Mackay Mata. Yeah. Um, and that's for people that have public, uh, sorry, private health insurance or are willing to pay large yeah. amounts of money to birth there out yeah. of pocket. And that's basically it. There's also obviously the option that I should mention to birth out of the system, um, yeah. which is not something that happens a lot in places like Mackay, but in metro areas, it's becoming a lot more common to birth, which is just birthing without a known care provider at all. And then if something happens, they kind of head into hospital or call an ambulance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and that's basically basically it there is people you know petitioning and working towards um having home birth midwives in in Mackay whether that's through travel and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but currently there's no private midwives practicing in Mackay do midwives have to have um special training to be able to do yeah. home births or is they it do just a choice okay no as they do and it, they have to be endorsed and it's it's a I'm not a, I'm not I'm not really really well you know, I'm not really knowledgeable on the process. Uh, mm-hmm. I very much definitely kind of stay into the into just the women's support. I try not to get too mixed yeah, no, up in, yeah, in, in the support options purely because I try not to be, you know, I'm just really trying to focus on um, on the women I'm supporting. But mm-hmm. it, once they're endorsed, they can then practice privately. And mm-hmm. then from there, um, they can sometimes get birthrights through their local hospitals, but that's depending. And that means that they have the option to take women to the hospital and they're still their care provider. Whereas yeah. if you don't have a if you don't have birthrights at the local hospital, if someone's doing a home birth and it gets yeah, handed and over. Then, that's right. And they can yeah. kind of be a support person, but they have no kind of um, medical power within that yeah, hospital okay. and within that system. And then okay. at the there's also it's really complicated with the private midwifery. There's a um they there's a big issue at the moment within Australia where they can't get insurance Mm. so each year they're doing like this insurance exemption that's just being extended each year because it's deemed too high risk to kind of insure it's a whole thing but and it costs a lot of money for them to become yeah and they're heavily Mm -hmm. um scrutinized so you know in the public system uh, an obstetrician can kind of make a mistake or even say you know you've got a 10 pound baby or you know do whatever and it's not as heavily scrutinized as it is when you're a private midwife every step you take has to be very is very heavily scrutinized and you know you hear it with a midwife who might attend an unknown twin birth be kind of reported because they're not allowed to deliver twins at home and yeah. yeah so they're very heavily scrutinized and and um it can and so it's it's hard for them to do it and in a place like Mackay if you don't have a collective a lot of the place a lot of midwives will work in a collective so they might be 
you know, three or four or 10 midwives working under one banner. So they have each other's Mm -hmm. support. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas in Mackay, even getting one endorsed midwife is hard and then Mm -hmm. they would be working on their own essentially. So yeah, yeah. the the demand for them to even have a steady income. Yeah, that's right. And to cover their costs with insurance and just with, you know, all the costs and it is, it's, I so hope it becomes an option it. for Mackay that a local oh, get too. some local because I know there is the option to travel, which is going to be, uh, you know, great to open the door that we have an endorsed midwife travel here, but to mm-hmm. have one that lived here, yeah. a number that lived here to support that option of home birth for those that are interested. Again, it's all about options. You don't, yeah. it's not for everyone. That's great. If you're happy yeah. to, to go to a hospital, wonderful, but it, it's about opening up options for those that mm-hmm. don't want that. Yeah, and I think um, another thing too to note though, and I know this with my own birth, is I was extremely privileged to have the financial means to birth the way I wanted to birth. And for a lot of women, that's not an option. And so, and, and you know, because they're high risk or because they can't afford it, doesn't mean they shouldn't be allowed to access the birth that they want and so I think it's so important that while private midwifery is so important and I hope we have private midwives I think there should be a really big push for you know the birth center to be an all-risk birth center or for midwifery group practice through the base hospital to take all risk levels because Mm -hmm. high-risk women high-risk pregnancies uh, can benefit from known care as well yeah. like they yeah. you know, they know that midwife more, gonna, more than more than anyone yeah and they're the people that are lost in the system are the people yeah. that are so most they're at probably risk. the ones that need the most support and guidance Definitely. and decision yeah. making and you know if your midwife yeah. knows you they're going to notice something different in your statistics or in your chart or in your well-being mm-hmm. much yeah. faster than someone who's never met you before and yeah. sees you for a 15 minute in, you know 15 minute consult yeah. before you mm-hmm. get pushed along the line so yeah. Yeah, it's just important to note that there is, unfortunately, there's that level of, of privilege for home birth mm-hmm. as well because it's not yeah. easily accessible. Yeah. I guess you're um, pretty happy you didn't take that trip to Bali then and uh, yeah. put, put that money into the baby yeah. birthing pot. Yeah, it was definitely drive you further it, yeah. and now what you're offering. The stars yeah. aligned. Yeah, yeah it was definitely yeah. meant to be. It was um, yeah, definitely the best absolutely. experience for us and I'm, I'm – yeah, I would do it again in a heartbeat. But well, we're done having babies. But I would do it. <laughs> you I just get to so support. Yeah, yeah that's I'm glad support I support have... other people to make their little I'm birth my dreams fix. come true. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, well, I mean, we could talk to you all yeah, like night. I still have so much written here to ask and more that's come up. <laughs> but that that's okay. We can always. We'd love to have you back on. And like you said. Yes. We'll do a gestation of diabetes one. And yeah. um, just for the sake of our listeners, Caitlin and I plan on also doing an episode just talking about our births as well because mm-hmm. um, I guess that will just help the listeners have context of where we come from when we say certain things yep. as well. Um, anything from you, Caitlin? I can't think of anything else. No, I just feel like I've learned so much already. I guess yeah. my I did a hypnobirthing and um, the lady that did the course is also a doula, mm-hmm. but I guess – yeah just hearing you talk about it and being so passionate just really helps to like paint a picture Mm. um which is super super good to know and I just feel like it's just something that is just so beautiful for Makai to have oh we're so um, lucky your offering so yeah yeah. I feel so privileged that people share their journeys with me and I just hope that yeah Yeah. and I feel like we can make some positive change I feel like it's such an exciting time because I really feel like people are yearning Mm. um the positive the awareness positive positive energy around birth and really wanting to empower themselves to know I think even in general there's a whole rise happening Mm. in in absolutely generation in this era in this time in life whatever yeah like in general there's a real rise in women and one of those things obviously is birth because it's something that is like so pivotal and so yeah I don't know, pushed under the rug and mm-hmm. all the shit that comes with it. Whereas if we can step into our power and um, you can help people step into their power, which is amazing. Absolutely. And I just feel like also just talking to you, like it just, um, like you hear doula and I feel like some people are like, oh, this woo-woo, like what's she going to like burn some sage around yeah. me? <laughs> yeah, totally. No, but like <laughs> it just simplifies it to this really practical support system and just hearing you talk it just um I think it will change a lot of people's perspective and give them like a lot of insight into yeah just a different way it's not this huge woo woo 
yes. you coming in to support you. You're so well researched, so well educated, mm-hmm. so inspiring. I just think the more that yeah, the more people can that people can know about it, the more we can keep riding this wave of change. One woman yeah, definitely. That's it. One, one woman at a time. time. One woman at a time. That's, yeah, totally. That's our mantra. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that episode was amazing having Kaya on was yeah just such a privilege and having her in our community is amazing so I want to just point out that Kaya goes by the birth circle Mackay and you should definitely go and follow her on Instagram and Facebook but Instagram's where I follow her not only if you're just interested in doula services but I mean the stuff she shares is really informative factual evidence-based stuff relating to birth and postpartum um, so I really encourage you to go and check her out just to help yourself become more informed, to support friends, family, yourself. Definitely check her out, The Birth Circle Mackay. And then also, if anyone's got any questions about what we talked about today or anything that you would like us to cover with Kaya in future episodes, then definitely reach out to us on our socials. Instagram, Facebook, or by our email on the House of She website. And we'd be happy, more than happy to cover the things that you guys want to hear from Kaya because she's just got so much to offer. So yeah, definitely mm-hmm. reach out with questions. Amazing. All right. Goodbye for now. Thanks guys. Bye.